and welcome to the Fleet Geeks podcast. We're here to help develop fleet and transport professionals. Do you want to progress and develop your skills and knowledge? We promise to bring lively conversation and debate around interesting issues and keep you bang up to date with changes in our awesome industry. The Fleet Geeks are a community of professionals and if you enjoy the podcast, why not join the discussion for free in the Fleet Geek community over on Facebook? I embark on with uh, with my co- esteemed colleagues here. Uh, I've got Mike, Tom, and James with me again, and this is probably the podcast that we've felt most apprehensive about uh, recording because we want to make sure that we do it justice. Uh, so I thought I'd address that up front, but I think we're fairly confident and fairly well read. We've each got our own experiences of working with trade organisations. So uh, the the question the question is around value for money and what the place is for them but i think largely the the purpose of the podcast is to educate the listeners around what's out there um and if it's right for for the listeners to go and maybe embark on exploring membership with any of them uh, but the purpose of the podcast is really to just outline the the service offering that we're aware of and the experience that we've had with them um Certainly, the podcast has been triggered by a certain member of the Facebook uh, fraternity having a, a real pop at the RHA on his uh, on his transport managers group, old Dimitri, bless him, I'm sure he won't mind me mentioning him, he's not shy of the limelight, uh, but Dimitri, I've invited him on the podcast several times because he has some very interesting points of view on stuff, and uh, he's very anti the trade uh, uh, the trade organisation so um, you know here we are to sort of have a bit more of a, a chat about it uh, certainly I've done a little bit of um, a little bit of research but I'm, I'm going to stop waffling and uh, I'm going to head uh, around the table and just sort of have a chat about what our experiences are so uh, Mike over to you mate what, what's your experience with the trade uh, associations? No, well, I have, a, I have a, a, a clear inside track shall we say with uh, Logistics UK formerly the FTA uh, around about seven years or so ago, I joined them as a, a training instructor and uh, a, a, an incredible organisation. When you when you, you talk about imposter syndrome, when you walk in uh, to what was then the Freight Transport Association, now Logistics UK, when you walk in there, you really feel that you've walked into the centre of the transport universe. Um, and, and it was really a, a very impressive place and remains an impressive place uh, so uh, we, have, we have a lot to do with them still. So, um, you know, my, my view is from the inside and, uh, you know, a fine bunch of people, real professionals, real people who cared about the industry and who care about the industry. And, uh, you know, the ones, everybody I met there over my time um, were, were, was, was spot on. And uh, unfortunately, um, it's fair to say that um, the pandemic uh, really had an impact, uh, I guess, on all kinds of trade associations and people like that and uh, scaled back its operations somewhat. So it's, it's probably a little shadow of its former self. But yeah, from my point of view, I've also had uh, some dealings with the RHA as well, a company I used to work for, a very well-known local company I used to work for, um, had a, a history with the RHA um, of being um, on the board. Um, so I've, uh, I've known various chairmen uh, over, over my years and worked for them. So, uh, yeah, I kind of got a bit of an angle on both of them. But for, as a member, I don't really have much, uh, much to add to that. So um, perhaps the, 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 other, the other guys will, will be able to fill us in a little bit better. Appreciate that, Mike. Over to you, Tom. What, what's your experience with the trade organisations, mate? Um, it's mixed both as an individual and as working with hauliers. The question normally asked is, which one are you a member of? And most hauliers tend to lean towards the Road Haulage Association. I don't really know why that is. 
Um, could just be the name, couldn't it? it they got a very strong brand mm. from, from years and, and road haulage conjures up a certain image. Um, myself, I'm a member of the Chartered Institute of Logistics and Transport, or CILT, which doesn't flow off the tongue as well as the other, so maybe they're slightly less known. Um, and also very kind of the RHA a couple of years ago to give me that award thing. So I've, I've dealt with them in that perspective as well. Tell us more about the award, Tom. So it's actually, I've come in home, aren't I? Because this happened near here. Um, I helped an individual uh, down off a bridge. And so I was nominated for this um, haulage heroes, which was very humbling. Um, but RHA were very, very kind about it. And they, they kind of came out and made big fuss. And that was nice. Um, also, the my employer at the time, XPO, it was their lead on it. So I'm very grateful to them. Appreciate that, Tom. Uh, tell us a bit more about your uh, your memberships then with, uh, with with the Chartered Institute. So I went for that mainly for... Sorry, to be clear, SILT, sorry. It's the Chartered Institute of Logistics and Transport. I ought to be precise for people listening. C- yeah, CILT. Um, I went for that mainly kind of for industry recognition, something you get from these membership organisations. To a lesser extent, some of them more with uh, CILT is you get to use the the post-nominal letters, which as someone who never went for a formal education, I've never got the chance to use, you know, degree level stuff. So for, the, for me, that was quite um, quite a benefit. However, that brings into question how much benefit you get from it, because I don't use those letters everywhere. And um, they don't, I don't know how much weight they actually hold. It's very hard to know what people think about it. So, But for me, just uh, membership organisation, recognition within the industry and access to training and things like that. Appreciate that, Tom. Thank you. Um, actually, before I bring James in, and I will move on to James in a moment, I just wanted to add a little bit whilst I think about that, and it all um, it all um, uh, gets lost in the ether as we continue the conversation. Interestingly, I'm a member of SILT as well, and uh, I initially I was attracted by the post nominals um, as a as a business owner, as a consultant, um, having that prestige or um, having that. Um, uh, I, I, what's the right terminology? Prestige? I don't know. Um, I guess it's confidence. You give people confidence by having or being a chartered member of, of, of somewhere. So uh, I went for my chartered membership of uh, the Institute of Logistics and Transport, so CMILT, which you'll see a lot of people, those who are on LinkedIn will see people with those post-nominals. And uh, I have my post-nominals. I've actually dropped them on LinkedIn, interestingly. Um, and uh, there, there has been a bit of a process behind choosing to do that. But interestingly, with the Chartered Institute, and I've, I've fed this back to them, actually there to get chartered status with them was much easier than it is to get it for IOSH. So one of my goals over the next 12 months is to get chartered status for IOSH as well. IOSH is the Institute of uh, Safety and Health and uh, a chartered IOSH member has to jump through a number of barriers around their CPD uh, and they have to actually be assessed by another fellow or chartered member the work that they've carried out uh, to achieve chartered status so at the moment my my status for IOSH is grad IOSH so graduate IOSH which is for uh, the level six qualification so I sit on that and I have to to go to become a chartered member, I have to jump through a lump, number of hoops, seven seven bits of evidence I have to provide in various areas covering different topics uh, to to get the chartered uh, chartered status for IOSH, and you also then have to attend an interview as well um, to get signed off. So it's quite you know quite quite challenging comparatively to the Chartered Institute of Logistics and Transport. 
interestingly, uh, I just had to get two referees. Yeah, there's, um, there was a notion at one time that they were actually looking to um, offer it as a purchase option as well within companies that people could buy a number of chartered memberships, which I think completely dilutes that. Um, but you're right, you submit a CV, you submit a CPD evidence and a bit of a training plan, and there aren't many more questions after that. I was quite pleased with it at the time. I'm chartered now. Um, but reflecting on it, and again, I don't use the letters for that reason. The only time I put them anywhere is usually in my audit work, just if the traffic commissioners need to see. But again, they're not necessarily reassured by them either. So it brings into question the benefit. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. I, I, I think it's just an interesting point to raise, really. Um, and particularly that I had that comparison to IOSH, which I think uh, sitting around the table, I think... We'd, we'd probably welcome something like that in the industry, you know, where we had to demonstrate our CPD and, and that kind of thing to achieve a chartered membership. So, uh, yeah, in, interesting nonetheless. But what, one of the things that I would also add to that is speaking to other safety professionals in other industries is that some of them choose not to use their chartered IOSH status because actually along comes with it a lot of judgment around the things you might post on social media uh, from from other safety professionals. So that has created a bit of a negative culture. So it's just an interesting thing really for us to reflect on. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop chuntering. Over to you, James. What's your experience with the trade, uh, the trade organisations? So... Look, my experience is very positive. I'm approaching it as you would expect from a, a kind of a corporate perspective, from a, that, uh, the perspective of a large user, yeah, with, with, with a large fleet. Um, and, and it might be that we reflect on whether my experience matches, you know, across the industry. Maybe it's more, maybe it's better that some of the trade organisations are better suited to what I do. I don't know that. I'm sure that's not necessarily the case, but I can only speak from one perspective. I work closely with Logistics UK. I think as, as from a, their bare minimum offering, if you're just a member in terms of uh, having on access to their online compliance and advice via their website, which, you know, members only areas, getting through uh, weekly news updates in terms of industry developments, legislative changes, what's government doing, what's affecting your drivers. I think that's really good. We spoke uh, on a recent podcast about uh, continuous professional development, and that's a great trigger for you to make sure that you're kind of whatever, a 10-minute read and you're on top of everything or you get some prompts to go and do a bit of research uh, and that drops into your inbox, you know, once a week. Um, you would get a copy of the uh, yearbook of road transport law, which Absolutely. personally is my Bible. Uh, again, I'm not advocating that there aren't others, but that's my Bible. I think it's a great reference document for all, uh, everything road James, transport. Just, just out of interest for clarification, is that similar to Lowe's? Is that, is that similar it's, to those? I guess the subject matter is similar. I'm, I, I do have a copy of each. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to land one way or the other. But okay. I personally, it, that's the one I pick up is the, uh, the yearbook. Um, and then for me also, which is re really difficult to understate the benefit of the Member Advice Centre. So they've got their team there of, of real experts. You know, Mike spoke about when he was in their offices, how it felt like that hub of transport excellence. And, and there's no doubt that having access to their Member Advice Centre, when you can pick up the phone and ask them about to, to get some transport advice, um, is, is first class. So I think that's really good. So I think in terms of those core benefits which are available to everybody as a member I think I think it's first class um, obviously they then you know you can you, they 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 
they have a lot of other services that you can take advantage of, and I, and I won't go through them all, but whether that's um, conferences that you can go on, training you can take advantage of, their vehicle inspection service, tachograph services, um, consultation and auditing, all of those services are, are available and, 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 and whether to whatever degree you want to uh, buy into them, I, I would say that you're always being looked after by a road transport expert. And, and I say road transport in my world, I must be fair, Logistics UK are so branded because they also think about logistics by water, by air, by rail, all of those things. But my, my world is road transport. So I think that if you do decide to, um, uh, you know, procure any of the other services from Logistics UK, you're certainly going to be getting expertise in whatever that is. So I would say that. I would say the other benefit, which is for everybody, not just members, and we mustn't forget, and I think that Logistics UK deserve lots of credit for this, is their um, government affairs work, that public affairs work. So they are acting, whether you're a member or not, they're acting on your behalf in terms of lobbying government and, and discussing with government any legislative change. They're t participating on consultations. They're working with local and central government. So I think they do a great job of that and, and are doing even more at the moment to, to, to improve that element of their service. And, and I think that's good because that benefits us all. If you're not a member of Logistics UK, then I promise you in the last few years, you've benefited from some of their activity. So I guess my feedback is fairly positive around that particular organisation. Um, as I say, I, I know less about the others and, and I'm happy that we are not only benefiting from those services that we pay for, but also funding, helping to fund some of that bigger work, which, which, which benefits the whole industry. Awesome. Appreciate that, James. Thank you very much. So I've done I've done a little bit of research in in in, in prepping uh, for this for this session. I asked my network on Facebook and LinkedIn uh, what their experiences were of uh, of the different uh, industry. So um, um, I, I shall quote them uh, unedited. Uh, I shan't say the full names, but they are available on my social media for those that follow. Uh, Ian has said, from my limited experience, all the trade bodies tend to support the employers rather than the employees who seem to chuck under the bus. Example, RHA. Uh, Bill has written absolute shite. It's about time TMs formed. On the fence, a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, on the fence from Bill. Um, uh, one way street from Bill. Uh, absolute shite. It's about time TMs formed a proper organisation for TMs, which I thought was quite interesting. Uh, on the PSV side, very poor. I know we tend to largely ignore the PSV side here. Sorry for all those bus. Uh, we, we've got a couple of bus geeks here, so maybe we'll have a bit of a chat yeah. about that. Um, um, uh, Lawrence has written, uh, Logistics UK are very good, however, want everything in an email. Uh, and then over on LinkedIn, Joanne, I've got a professional membership with RHA and Silt, both good for information, webinars and seminars. Uh, John, we are members of RHA, have used them for our contracts and find the briefings to be of use as well. Um, and, uh, and Beth, we are with Logistics UK. I've had many a phone call either asking advice or to double check things. They're always really helpful and if they don't know, we'll get into it for you and get back ASAP. So uh, largely, largely positive. Um, certainly this was triggered by, uh, by Dimitri's post. I think I've, I've got an interesting out look and I'm quite pleased I'm surrounded by uh, fantastic level-headed professionals as a as a 
as the leader of flagship partners, um, I, I do tend to see uh, some of the trade organisations a little bit like an old boys club, um, which uh, obviously I'm sure people will have their opinions on that and that kind of thing. But I do, I do feel like they have a bit of a monopoly. And the reason I say that is with our transport manager training offering, for example, it's been a very difficult thing for us to um, sort of grow grow the business because we are we are really struggling to to compete with the the massive the massive market share that they have. And then the other my other challenge that I have is that uh, as a small business, we've invested disproportionately to those uh, to those organisations because uh, I'll talk about the some of the research I did on them uh, shortly. But disproportionately, as a small business, startup business, we've had to uh, invest disproportionately to achieve earned recognition auditor status. Yet, however, the traffic commissioners still refer to in the request for an audit for an operator that may not have been uh, performing, may have been at a preliminary or a, a public inquiry, the, the traffic commissioner will clearly state that the, the audit needs to be carried out by RHA, Logistics UK, or another uh, independent party. And I think, I've, I believe personally, you know, and this is my opinion, um, and, and as the leader of flagship, you know, I know I've got a responsibility to be balanced in my approach, which is why I've invited uh, other people to discuss it because it's not you know I'm, I'm by no means dictating how things should be but I feel that's slightly anti-competitive as far as I'm concerned as a, as a as a challenger business or a disruptive business I suppose in the sector where we're trying to create uh, value for people you know we we're here giving up our time for the podcast. It does cost money to edit. Um, you know, Mike's here. Mike, Mike's on the clock, for example. Uh, but we distribute this freely into the industry for people. Um, we don't have a, you know, a, a membership in that sense. So um, interestingly, I did a little bit of research about the value for money side of stuff. Um, the RHA, I had a look at their accounts online. The, the RHA is a not-for-profit association that represents the whole industry. And its purpose is to be the voice voice uh, representing all commercial vehicle operators including distribution and warehousing. Hello, it's Sharni from Flagship Partners. We are really proud to sponsor the Fleet Geeks podcast. If you need expert advice or training for your fleet business, make Flagship Partners your first choice. We are really excited to announce the launch of our Transport Manager Academy with expert development for fleet leaders. We offer fully accredited initial Transport Manager CPC training, CPC refresher and operator license awareness training, as well as mentoring, support and professional development beyond the qualification. Our vision is to develop elite fleet professionals. Um, th that being said, the primary objective of the RHA is to support its members and deliver value for money. So that's uh, that's their purpose. I uh, I did have a bit of a look at the accounts and just to give people an idea of the size and scope of the organisations, because I didn't know RHA is more than half. Uh, sorry, Logistics UK is more than twice the size of uh, the RHA. So the RHA, uh, 11 and a half million pound turnover last year. Um, can't really see uh, what they went for in the way of coronavirus support, for example. That's sometimes something I look at just to see how companies um, have dealt with coronavirus and, and the level of support they've had. Uh, they've had 73 grand worth of grants. Um, which was relevant to the cartel uh, work that they've been doing for, for the vehicle manufacturers, which I found interesting. Um, 
interestingly one of the things that triggered the podcast was their highest paid director received 388 grand um remuneration that year they did have obviously a very good year they were very profitable um of the 11 and a half million pounds there was 789 grand with the profit um which is just shy of uh, 10% uh, net profitability um, and they also pay quite a uh, quite a lumpy amount for uh, loss of office compensation of 212 grand but that's freely available online for people to go and have a look at uh, in comparison FTA actually even more profitable than uh, than the RHA they did 28 million pounds with the turnover uh, 7.4 million pounds with the profit um, which is which is fairly strong They've they've had about 343 grand in furlough money last year and 1.4 million in 20 20 and of their eight directors earn on average just under 200 grand each which in my opinion obviously it's a it's a large amount of money but that's a significant business 28 million pound turnover and i think for for leaders making key decisions in a business of that size that's probably in line with what you would expect from a from a company or an organization of that size so I don't know who I am to pass judgment, really. Um, personally, I'm a uh, I'm a Silt professional member, and uh, I think so. One of the things I say about Silt is I went over to Corby for a recent meeting. I sit on the um, uh, logistics and safety forum. And I find it very, very interesting. And we went across to Corby and they've got an amazing library there. So if you are a professional member of Silt, that is something you get. I think I pay, I think I pay nearly uh, £200 for my membership, £150, £200, something like that for my professional membership for Silt. And um, is it value for money? I think I, it is value for money, but I don't get to use it. And that's my fault. Is kind of the point I want to make is that actually there's a there's a massive library there which I could go and visit freely as a member, um, and there's some really fascinating old text uh, and, and and books in there to read. Um, I am a member of the forum. I thought it was a fantastic conference that was organised last year, and as a business flagship exhibited at that, and we got great benefit. There were some amazing people in the room there. Um, so it, you know it's not all doom and gloom. We are you know we do do the transport manager qualification for Silt. Uh, I have my challenges um, around their, their their qualification for that, and obviously we Logistics UK we are you know we're a subcontractor for. So um, you know as far as I'm concerned, you don't bite the hand that feeds you, um, and uh, we do do subcontract work for them too. So it's um, you know it's it's very interesting to uh, sort of really have a bit of a conversation around that really. But that's large largely my experience I, I speak to people on a regular basis it seems it seems to me that from an RHA point of view you have a lot of family sized operators or family type privately owned businesses that tend to choose the RHA they tend to have a very what I'd say legacy customer base so you know uh, certainly legacy family businesses there'll be a loyalty there to the RHA uh, that I've, I've experienced and that's really the most experience I've had apart from as a you know as a challenger business to them it, it can be a bit tough because they've really got they've really got a stronghold in the industry and um, and you know what that's okay because they've been around for years and uh, it gives me a few years to go and try and challenge that market share I guess um, but that's it for me really that was a bit of a monologue uh, Mike, any anything else to add, really? No, I think that's, that's really interesting. Uh, really interesting discussion there on the on the pros and cons of each, and I suppose everybody's going to have to make their own kind of decision about what uh, what uh, organisation would fit them best. I'm personally, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Silt member. I do you know what? It is an interesting one then because those who are not aware, the FTA 
changed their name to Logistics UK, and that was a part of Brexit. And I come back onto James's point. I saw firsthand, not necessarily myself, although we were involved briefly in it, but I saw some professionals at the Logistics UK who worked incredibly hard with government during the Brexit negotiations uh, with an ever-changing, you know, literally by nine o'clock in the morning till five o'clock in the evening, things would change. And these people were trying to unpick it. And, you know, I've got to give them credit. They're absolutely incredible professionals that were working there at the time um, who made that happen. And as James said, behind the scenes, you don't really get to appreciate that always, um, what they do. But um, so, yeah, that's interesting. They, so they changed their name. They didn't really change their name. They're still actually the FTA. Logistics UK is a trading style of, of the Freight Transport Association. So the Freight Transport Association still exists. Uh, but they decided because of that Brexit talk, they were they were interviewed on TV and on the radio and interviewers were getting mixed up. They were calling um, people the, the Road Transport Association and, um, uh, you know, the, the Freight, freight Haulage Association. So they were getting mixed up. So uh, the FHA and the RTA. Yeah, <laughs> RTA. Yeah, it was a bit of an RTA. Yeah. So they uh, they decided that they would uh, they would differentiate themselves and, and, and really go down this Logistics UK route. But um uh, to, and also because people didn't really understand what the FTA was, uh, you know, so they were very, very keen to keep to make sure people called them Logistics UK and not LUK. But you notice it all over now. People call them LUK. And I'm whispering that because I still have to whisper it if I'm ever near them because, you know, it's definitely a no-no. It's Logistics UK, uh, which uh, which uh, I think is uh, an important point to raise. That it's not it, They are still the Freight Transport Association, but they, they change their name for obvious reasons. But, uh, yeah, so that's, 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 you know, I think that's probably um, clearly where my allegiances lie. But, um, you know, not that I've, I've, I've had that much to deal with the other two. And, and I re- as you say, Pete, I'm, I'm a member. I'm a chartered member. And it's my fault that I don't get involved more with them. And I think I'd like to probably get involved more with them. Um, you know, not only are they local to me as well, um, but uh, yeah, I think I would. But it's it's down to you to, to, to do it, isn't it? It's down to us to do it, basically, as individuals. Yeah. I, think, I think that's a good learning from the podcast is that I think overall that there is value to be had, certainly. And I think it's about, it's down to us to utilise the value that's available uh, out there for, from the membership packages. Tom, over to you. Have you got any other sort of thoughts uh, or any other I know you've got a, a bit of a list there of other uh, you know people that uh, listeners could think about joining as members for sure yeah I mean we focused on the, what we might refer to as the big three I don't know how they feel mm-hmm. about that but there are others out there um, others are available as that t- phrase goes so there's the Institute of Road Transport Engineers which is IRTE there's also SOE, which conjures up images of the Special Operations Executive of <laughs> the Second World War, but it's Society of Engineers. So if you have an engineering background, or perhaps you're a fitter or um, a mechanic or time-served apprentice, th- those you have entry routes into those. Um, they do publish a lot of guides at IRTE. We may use them inadvertently without realising yeah. there's a good one out there on the third-party trailers. Third party trailers yeah. um, they did a good coupling and un- uncoupling. They do tipper rollovers and things like that. So they are very technically um, good at things like that. There's also one that I had not heard of until very recently, the Institute of Transport Administration, which yeah. apparently has formed since 1944. Um, but And again, post-nominal letters, membership benefits, all the sort of usual things, chartered membership, etc., we just don't hear of them. I don't really know why, but I'm going to go and do some digging about why, what they do and what they offer. But there are others out there. And then obviously if you're involved in more specialist industries, you mentioned health and safety, quarrying have their own, um, you know, personnel management have their own. There's all these 
that are open to us depending on what area you want to specialise in. Appreciate that, Tom. Yeah, I think... Um I think uh, what, what I'd also add is, uh, as a DVSA earned recognition auditors, IRTA or IRTE is recognised or uh, is forms part of the audit. It's not a requirement for uh, a, a workshop owned by an operator to be IRTA accredited or approved or whatever the right terminology is. Um, but it's it's recognised by the DVSA as the standard for good operation of a workshop. Um, so ERTA, you'd have ERTEC, uh, ERTEC uh, qualified uh, guys um, who, and, and the ERTEC qualification actually, I would say certainly as someone who's been a customer of of of, uh, of um, buying ERTEC accreditation, I think is a really good standard for workshop technicians. Um, they, it's a five yearly standard. They get they get. Um, they get checked up on in the workplace. It takes place in the workplace. They, they carry out an inspection and someone essentially makes sure that they are competent to carry out a vehicle inspection. So I think that's uh, you know something that I can certainly be very positive about is the ERTEC qualification. Um, and they're, 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 there's also a, an audit standard as well for workshops that's provided by the IRTE as well. Uh, Tom, you got a bit there about uh, uh, professional membership for, for the RHA. Because this is the other thing. Obviously, we've had, uh, we've had a good conversation here around, you know, sort of jumped around. But ultimately, they all, they all offer individual membership and operator membership and professional membership. There's lots of different... And I think... The thing is, is, is when, pe- when we talk about value for money, it's very difficult because you're not really, I think what we've really clearly seen is they're all very different. So you can't really compare apples with apples in any case. What have you got there around the professional membership for RHA, Tom? So RHA offer, if you're not a haulier, you're a transport manager or an associate individual consultant, something like that, you can be a member and they give you entitlement to therefore use their logo, which is quite a benefit in itself to put that on your stationery. But they'll give you things like email information, um, electronic handbooks, so the annual handbook. They'll give it to you in electronic format, which is pretty good. You get the monthly roadway magazine. You'll get a bit of a discount on the shop and and events, um, access to a benevolent fund and members-only website area. So similar across the various ones, um, they all offer that sort of level. Um, You could really apply to all of them without breaking the bank. But generally, I find people tend to just go with one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting yeah it's very very hard to say right I think RHA would be best for you I think CILT would be best for you you'd have to decide for yourself based on what they're offering what you want to get out of it mm-hmm. and I think it's, it's member led isn't it you will get out of it what you try and get out of it if you just take the membership and um, when I get busy I don't really get involved very much there's yeah. not a huge amount that's going to come into your lap. You have to go mm. and use resources. It, it, it does ultimately tie in nicely with the CPD podcast that we've recorded before around taking ownership of your CPD and what have you. Because RHA and Logistics UK also offer the um, transport manager briefings uh, where they get um, you know they get the traffic commissioners come and speak, which is a fantastic opportunity to hear firsthand. You know we uh, we often summarise our experience with the TCs, but ultimately the best thing to do is to hear it from the horse's mouth, isn't it? So uh, there's good opportunities there for CPD for sure. Uh, James, have you got any other thoughts on, on on sort of what we've been discussing? Perhaps just let me pick up on some of the things that have been said that, that I agree with. So I, I think you're right, Pete. I, I don't know how much some of the costs are for all of those organisations, but I think when we reflect on our discussions in the previous podcast about CPD, 
If there's an organization out there that's on the other end of the phone to give advice and they're going to feed you stuff into your inbox, which you can read in five minutes and bring yourself up to speed and similar with some, you know, a magazine or whatever. I, I, it feels like you've got to you've got to really reflect if you don't think that's worth a few hundred pounds a year because I you know I, I don't want to push anybody but that feels like value for money in its smallest sense and then and then off the back of what Tom said I think you're right almost almost said what I was thinking and that is in some ways you, you get out what you put in you know if you want to just have the basic membership and take that and use it to keep your competence and information up to date then great but actually if you want to attend some conferences and i know you get involved with some of the cilt forums uh, uh, logistics uk have their uh, councils regional councils where members are given the opportunity to actually sit with uh, each other do some networking uh, help shape Logistics UK's policies, which they're going to then use to uh, to lobby government. So, you know, if you want to get really involved, then you can do that. But uh, yeah, I think Tom's right. You, in, in some ways, perhaps you can get out of it what you what you put in. Yeah, fantastic. Oh well, uh, gents, I uh, I appreciate uh, appreciate your input on the on the podcast today. And uh, what I would just like to highlight, if you are from the RHA Logistics UK or Chartered Institute. Uh, you know, we've just produced a uh, a podcast which points towards organisation. Possibly, you'd be happy to reciprocate to your large membership base at some point. <laughs> uh, that was a bit cheeky, wasn't it? Uh, anyway, you you got to try your luck, haven't you? Um, and if you're from the office of the traffic commissioner, please do rethink about fairness in and equity in the uh, in the industry around who you ask uh, for audits to provide audits, particularly when you've got independents who jump through the hoops and are recognised as and recognition orders. Interestingly, I was that actually ever ever the trainer um, RHA and Logistics UK appear in legislation because they are statutory objectors. Um, so maybe that's got something to do with it. And maybe that needs changing. Maybe that needs changing. So it's a legislative. They appear in legislation as being statutory uh, objectors, along with the British Association of Removers. We didn't mention them. There we go. We didn't <laughs> mention. Well, they're very niche and industry specific, aren't they? Yeah. To be fair, the BAR. They're also so. a statutory objector. Okay, interesting. But they're not listed on the audit no, providers. No. They're not listed on the audit providers on the on those letters. Anyway, anyway, I hope this has been useful, and uh, hopefully you've got some insight from it, and hopefully you've got a balanced. Uh, we've given a balanced representation of the experience the four of us have got in the room anyway around those and obviously the recommendation is to go out and have a look yourself obviously um the podcasts are there the what what i would like to say is we have spent a lot of time talking about other other uh, people we all all four of us support the fleet geeks peer-to-peer group um which is a fantastic cpd opportunity uh, for people as well as the fleet geeks networking as well so i think it'd be unfair for me not to just mention those at the end uh, for people to get involved with if they choose to but please do get in touch and uh, yeah we'll see you on the next one thank you very much i hope you enjoyed today's episode if you did please share with your friends and colleagues too join us for free on facebook with the fleet geeks community for transport and fleet managers fleet geeks offers ongoing professional development networking and mentoring too so get in touch with me pete rushmer on any social media platform to find out more